16 and verse 3. There the Word of God says this, Our God is in the heavens. He does all that He pleases. Our God is in the heavens. He does all that He pleases. Our Father, we thank You that as we assemble here this morning to worship our risen Lord Jesus, that You indeed are in the heavens, that You do all that You please. And Father, above all, we are thankful and grateful that You are our God. Father, watch over us now and keep us. We pray that Christ would be glorified and that Your people would be edified. We pray in His holy name. Amen. This is a topical sermon this morning with regard to the power of God. But I can't help but note that if I were going to preach this first expositionally, I would point out that there is a God, He is all-powerful, and He has a people. But the purpose of this topical sermon this morning is to declare what the Bible truth tells us about the power of God in order that God might be glorified and that by His grace, each of us would respond to the Bible truth Submit our lives to Him and give to Him the worship, praise, and thanksgiving that He alone deserves. I propose to do that by looking at the subject in three points and then follow with a conclusion. The first point is this, the extent of God's power. The second will be the exercise of God's power. The third, the effect of God's power. And then in our conclusion, I'll talk about our reasonable response to the power of God. Point number one, the extent of God's power. We read in Jeremiah this, Lord God, it is you who have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Power. Think about power for just a moment. The concept of power indicates that one has possession and one has ability. Power is the possession of authority and control and influence over others. Our God possesses that. Power is the ability to act and the strength to produce and the might to accomplish. Our God has that. The Bible says that He is the Almighty God. Theologians refer to Him as the Omnipotent God. Omnipotent simply means all power. Omni is the prefix. It means all and potent means powerful. Our God is all powerful. There is no power that our God does not have. The extent of God's power is inherent unto Himself. It is not derived from anyone or anything or anywhere. God has power. It is intrinsic to Him. It is integral to Him. It is fundamental to God. He is all-powerful. God's power is eternal. It is timeless. It is ceaseless. And it is endless. It has no beginning. It has no end. The power of God is infinite. It is boundless, it is limitless, it is stupendous, and it is immeasurable. The power of God is unique. It is exclusive to Him. It is distinctive of God. It belongs to God alone, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all almighty, all omnipotent, all all powerful. One God, three persons, all powerful. The power of God, the extent of His power is sovereign. God is totally independent. He is self-governing and He is self-determining. The extent of God's power is absolute. It is limitless and it is supreme. Our God is in control of all things at all times, in all places, and in all ways. 
without exception. Amen. We read in Psalm 33, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and by the breath of His mouth all their host. All of the matter and all of the spirit that there is, apart from God, was created by the breath of His mouth. The power of God extends entirely over the physical realm of all the matter in the universe. The power of God extends over the spiritual realm of all the angels, fallen and unfallen, and Satan himself. God's power extends over all. It is limitless, it is supreme, and it is sovereign. We read in Proverbs chapter 21 that the king's heart, the king's heart, the sovereign king of any nation, the king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever He will. God's power extends over the affairs of men. Not just the political affairs and not just the economic affairs, but God's power extends over where they live, when they live, and when they die. Do you understand that? God's power extends over when you live and when you die and where you spend eternity. God's power is unbounded. It is unsurpassed. It is unrivaled. It is unending. It is undisputed. And it is irresistible. God has absolute dominion, authority, influence, and jurisdiction. He answers to no one. And He takes counsel from no one. He has the ability, the might, and the right to do anything and everything that pleases Him. And everything that God does is right, and it pleases Him. The Apostle John records for us in the book of the Revelation in chapter 4. He said, The four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. And day and night they never cease to say, Holy, 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 is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. God Almighty, the Almighty God, who was and is and is to come. He is the eternal, almighty, sovereign, righteous, holy creator and sustainer of all that is, was, or ever shall be. Jesus Christ is the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. He has accomplished salvation for His people. Praise God. He is the righteous judge, and it is He that will cast unrepentant rebels into hell. Jesus Christ is your Savior, or He is your judge. He is the Savior, or He is the judge of every man and every woman. And each one of us will stand before Him and give an account. You know that it's so. God has put that knowledge within you. He alone has the power to purpose, to judge, and to save. And He alone has dominion, rule, authority. And His command is absolute. The extent of God's power knows no bounds. The exercise of God's power. The exercise of God's power. God's power is always exercised in accordance with the character and the nature of God. In Revelation chapter 15, we read, and they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God the Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nation. 
We understand that God is always just and true. The exercise of God's power is always in accordance with His justice and His truth and His character. God always and only does that which is in harmony with His nature and His character. He can do no wrong. God's power is always exercised in accordance with His purpose. We read in Psalm 33 that the counsel of the Lord stands forever, the plans of His heart to all generations. He exercises His power in accordance with His purpose. God's power is always exercised to accomplish His irresistible will. His irresistible will. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. In your hand are power and might, so that none is able to withstand you. The power of God is always exercised in accordance with the Word of God. We read in Isaiah, The Lord said, So shall my word be that it goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose, and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. God's power is always exercised in accordance with the Word of God. God's power is uniquely exercised through our Lord Jesus Christ and His gospel. Yea, the Scriptures tell us in 1 Corinthians that to those who are called, that Christ is the power of God. That to those who are called, Christ is the power of God. That is a definitive, affirmative statement. Paul would also tell us in Romans chapter 1 that he was not ashamed of the gospel for a number of reasons, I'm sure, but the one that he wrote down for us is this, is that the gospel is the power of God. It is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And then he wrote to Corinthians and said that the word of the cross, in other words, Jesus Christ himself and his gospel are the power of God to those of us that are being saved. The scriptures are full of the resounding truth that Jesus of Nazareth is fully God and fully man. There's probably no better summary of that to be found in just a few phrases anywhere than in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Most of you are familiar with that. In that passage, under the inspiration of God's Holy Spirit, the author to the Hebrews affirms for us that it is through the Lord Jesus Christ that this world was spoken into existence. That the Lord Jesus Christ sustains this universe by the word of His power. That the Lord Jesus Christ is the radiance of the glory of God. The radiance and the glory of God are bound up in the power of God. He affirms for us that the Lord Jesus is the exact imprint of God's nature, including His power. That Almighty God has appointed Jesus Christ heir of all things. Maybe most importantly for us so far in this list is this, is that God has spoken to us by His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And what is most important to us is this, is that Christ has accomplished salvation for His people. 
and that he is even now seated on the throne of the eternity at the right hand of God the Father, sovereignly reigning over his creation, the man, Jesus of Nazareth, Christ our Lord, seated at the right hand of the Father, sovereignly reigning over his creation, and is the name above all names. Praise his holy name. The effect of God's power. The effect of God's power. Job says in chapter 42 to God, he says, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. You can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. No purpose of God can be thwarted. The purpose of God is always, without fail, irresistibly accomplished. The purpose of God is always, without fail, irresistibly accomplished. And make no mistake, make no mistake, the purpose of God does not in any way depend upon the cooperation of men. God often uses means to accomplish His purpose, and it's not uncommon for Him to use men to accomplish His purpose, but His purpose is in no way dependent upon the cooperation of men, not in anything that He has purposed, particularly our salvation. The Lord God reigns over all things for His glory and the good of His people. Now hear this exhortation, my brother and sister. The God that elected His people in eternity past is determined to save His people. The God that created all things provides for His people. The God that orders all things directs His people. The God that sustains all things nourishes His people. The God that preserves all things upholds His people. The God that purposed all things is determined to bless His people. The God that brings all things to pass makes them work together for good for His people. The God that reigns over all things reigns over all things for His glory and for the good of His people. It's shouting time. Amen. That's good news. That's how God exercises His power. That's the purpose of God exercising His power. It's for His glory and for our good, my brother and sister. That's mountaintop kind of stuff. But unfortunately, we don't live on the mountaintop, do we? We're on a journey. Sometimes we're on the mountaintop, praise God. Sometimes we're in between, and sometimes we're walking in the valley, aren't we? I know that in a group of Christians as large as there are here this morning, that it's very likely, almost certain, that there's some that are in a dark valley this morning. Hear this word of encouragement. Every one of us walk in deep, dark valleys at times in our life. It may be a valley of illness or sickness that you're in. It could be a valley of depression or despair. It may be a valley of temptation and sin. It may be that your marriage, may be that your children seem like a dark valley to you. Or it may be a dark valley of needs of finances and other material needs that you find yourself in today. 
It may be one of the all too frequent valleys of alcohol or drugs or pornography. Christians are not immune to dark valleys. But hear this, brothers and sisters, listen to me closely. On the authority of the Word of God, on the authority of the Word of God, Almighty God has not forgotten you and He will not forsake you. No matter the depth of your depression or despair, no matter how heavy the sin and the guilt and the shame that you bear this morning is, your Savior Jesus Christ has defeated sin and death and Satan. His power is unlimited and unbounded, and it is more than sufficient to break the chains that hold us. It is Christ and Christ alone that has power to supply complete spiritual freedom, and praise God, He does. The Christ that changed water into wine delivers from depression and despair. The Lord Jesus, the same one that calmed the storm, can heal the most broken marriage. The Christ that fed the multitudes can and will provide for His people in their times of material need. The Savior that healed the lepers can cleanse the foulest sinner among us. The Lord that made the lame walk can cleanse from sin and He removes guilt and shame. The same Jesus that gave sight to the blind can deliver from alcohol and drugs and pornography. The Lord Jesus that cast out demons can break the chains that hold us. And He does. The same Jesus that raised the dead gives new life. Brother and sister, if you're in one of those dark valleys this morning, go to Christ for power and live. Go to Christ for power and live. Amen. Lastly, what is our reasonable response to God's power? What is the reasonable response to God's power? Fear God. Fear God. The Bible tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, and that the eye of the Lord is upon those who fear Him. Fear God. And trust God. Trust God. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Isaiah tells us to trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. The one unchanging thing in my life and yours is the Lord God. He is the everlasting rock. Trust God. It is our reasonable response to obey God. Obey God. Not just hear God. We certainly have that responsibility. But to obey God. Listen to the words of the Lord ourself from Luke chapter 11. He said, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. It is reasonable. A reasonable response to the power of God is to obey God. Another reasonable response to the power of God is to pray. Pray, brother. Pray, sister. Paul told the Romans, rejoice in hope. 
Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. That's another way of saying whether you're on the mountaintop or whether you're down in the deep, dark valley, pray regularly and consistently to God. Paul told the Colossians, he said, continue steadfastly. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. And no commentary on the subject of praying in response to the power of God would be complete without the passage from Philippians chapter 4. Do not be anxious about anything, my brother and sister, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Prayer is a reasonable response to our all-powerful God. Worship God. Worship the all-powerful God. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. Worship God and praise God. Praise God. We read in Revelation 19 that from the throne there came a voice saying, Praise our God, all you His servants, you who fear Him, small and great. He is worthy of worship. He is worthy of praise. And He is worthy of our thanks. An appropriate and reasonable response to the unlimited power of God and how He has used it to benefit us is to give God thanks. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. Worship God. Praise God. Give God thanks. And it is only reasonable to respond to the all-powerful God by seeking God. Seek God, brother. Seek God, my sister. Glory in His holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Serve God. Serve God. Right where you are. With the gifts that God has given you. Acknowledging that apart from the enablement of His Spirit, that we are insufficient for whatever the task may be, great or small. Serve God. Only fear the Lord and serve Him faithfully with all your heart, for consider what great things He has done for you. That's a good word of encouragement for us this afternoon. By God's grace, if He's willing, I intend to get a preaching nap sometime this afternoon. But before I do, I make you this promise. I want to stop and I want to study for just a little bit and meditate on the things that God has done for this old sinner. The list is long, and you know much of it. I recommend that each one of us take the time regularly and consistently to stop and meditate upon what God has done for us. And when we do, we should desire to serve Him. Not in order to obtain His blessing. Not in order to obtain His favor. But in response to the fact that by His grace, apart from anything that's in us, He showed us grace. And He showed us favor. And He showed us blessing. Serve God. And speaking of weakness, I believe our Lord Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. The longer I live and the more I experience, the more I understand that He means exactly what He said. That apart from Him... I can do nothing. 
I think the Apostle Paul knew something of that. He told us that a, an appropriate response to the power of God in our lives is to gladly boast of our weakness. I have very little else to boast of. My weakness in the Lord Jesus. Just about everything that I can think of comes into one of those categories or another. Either I boast in the Lord Jesus or I boast in my weakness. I certainly have no power to boast of apart from Him. The Apostle Paul, finding himself in a similar situation, said this. He said, the Lord Jesus said to him, My grace is sufficient for you. But if you look that up in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, you'll notice that that's not where that verse ended. He didn't just say, My grace is sufficient for you. He said, For my power is made perfect in weakness. I hadn't been able to get all the juice out of that grape yet, and I'll probably go to my grave and not get it all. But I know this. Is that when I'm weak, He is strong. When I cannot, He can. That somehow in my weakness, the Lord Jesus Christ is glorified. That His power is made perfect in my weakness. So, countercultural to everything that we've grown up knowing, every John Wayne movie that was ever made, everything that we've been told, Paul says, therefore, in light of that, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So that the power of Christ may rest upon me. It is my prayer that the power of Christ will rest upon all of His people that it will rest upon all that are under the sound of my voice. It is my prayer that the power of Christ will rest upon Midtown Baptist Church. It's a prayer of mine, my brothers and sisters in Christ, my fellow members at Midtown Baptist Church, and our visitors that know Jesus, that the power of Christ will rest upon you. And it's my prayer that the power of Christ will rest upon me. For the glory of God, and for the good of his people. We thank God, we praise God, that he is indeed the all-powerful sovereign of the universe, that his all-powerful, sovereign, only begotten son, Jesus Christ, is our Lord, that he has accomplished salvation for us at the cross, that he rules and reigns from his sovereign throne everything that comes into our life, whether it's a mountaintop or whether it's a valley. He is in absolute control. When we are weak, He is strong. When we are weak, He works in us. His power is at work in us, glorifying Himself for our good. May the power of Christ rest upon us. Let's pray. Our Father, we are grateful and thankful for Your Word that tells us over and again throughout the Scriptures that there is no no power apart from yours, that you have all the power that ever was, is now, or ever shall be. The scriptures tell us, Lord, that you use that power for your glory and for the good of your people. And Lord, you know that when we're in the valley, That's very often hard for us to remember. I pray, Lord, that as we've looked at the Scripture together this morning, that your Spirit has been pleased to work among us and use your Word in the hearts 
of brothers and sisters that may be in the valley. Well, I pray that you have affirmed to them your love and care for them. Father, make them cast themselves upon Christ, and we pray that his power would be released in their lives to overcome whatever the difficulty is. I thank you for my brothers and sisters that are on the mountaintop this morning. But I pray that they would rejoice and that they would share with us so that we might rejoice with them. Father, most of us are somewhere between the mountaintop and the valley, on the way to one or the other. But we know that we're likely to experience them both again. Lord, may we always bear in mind, through the good, through the bad, through the things that we would desire and, and the things that might even cause us to despair, help us acknowledge, remember, put to use the truth. Father, that you are glorified in our lives when we are weak, that the Lord Jesus Christ is strong, that apart from him that we can do nothing. Father, help us boast gladly in our weakness in order that Christ might be glorified. We thank you in his name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing as we close today.